Welcome to jrootradio.com. This is the Halakha Hour here live from jrootradio.com. Let's give you the numbers before we come right back to our class. The numbers to the studio are 718-683-5858 for questions after the class. After 3 p.m. we'll be here. The number to text in any of your questions, which we have right here in front of us, and we could answer those during the class, either live on the radio, or if we can't get to it, we will reply through a text at the end of the class. The number is 347-927-8398. Again, this is the Halakha Hour. We are in the discussion of the 39 Melachot. We, before we come back to the Benish Hai, we are going to begin the Halakhot of Shabbat, or continue from the Halakhot of Shabbat from the Benish Hai. But now, as an introduction to the next parasha, where we're going to discuss the Melacha of Melaben. In detail, the melacha of laundry and anything that's related to it, we are giving a basically a series of classes on the subject of the 39 melachot, which make up all the things that are forbidden that we cannot do on Shabbat. Now, I know we last week we started already talking about some of the melachot. I believe we did three melachot. But um, I, because of the interruption from last week to this week, I want to start again. Sorry, but you know, Hazrat is always good. Review is always very, very good. And we are going to list again, we're going to start again the 39 Melachot from the beginning. This way you have it all together in one jot. It's not to say that we're going to finish all the 39 Melachot today, but at least we won't be interrupted in the first Seder. As we said in, the, in last week's class, that the Melachot, the 39 Melachot, to simplify it, we, or not we, but we've see, I've seen it divided into four categories. The four categories are as follows. Category number one, which consists of 11 melachot. Those are the melachot for the making of the bread. That's the first 11 melachot. From melachot number 12 and the, the following 30 melachot, that's all the melachot that the, were done in Mishkan in order to make the yeri'ot, which are the cloth covers. And then the next category of melachot, which consists of seven melachot, the third category that's making the leather covers. And finally, the final eight melachot were melachot that were needed for the actual construction of the Mishkan. In the first category, the first 11 melachot of Shabbat. We're going to first list them with a very, very simple translation. And then we're going to go into each melacha and in very short time, dedicate a few minutes to explain the definition of the melacha, how it was used in the Mishkan, as we learned that any melacha to be forbidden as an av melacha from the Torah, it has to be that it was done, it was performed, it was necessary for the performance that was done in the Mishkan. That's a very important rule. In order to be an av melacha, it has to be, it was performed in the Mishkan. This is what makes it one of the 39 melachot. And like we said last week, this is not to say that there's only one Av Melacha. The Av Melacha is like the category. And there's a lot of things that are very identical to it, although it was not done in the Mishkan, but they're still considered an Av Melacha. And of course, when there's an Av Melacha, there's also what makes it a... There's also a Tolda, and all these things are forbidden in the Torah. And therefore, we will list the definition, how it was done in the Mishkan, a Tolda of the Melacha, and then very short, quick Halachot that are in the category of the Melachot. Let's begin with the first 11 Melachot, just to list them. 
This is, these 11 malakot were necessary in order to produce the lehem hapanim. As we all know, the Mishkan and the Beit HaMikdash subsequently had a Shulhan HaZahab. And on Shulhan HaZahab, there were two columns. Each column had six shelves. And on each of these shelves, there was a special bread. It was a miraculous bread because they baked it once out of Shabbat. And it was displayed on Shabbat. And it stayed fresh for an entire week. So the next Shabbat, when they repeated the process again, they would switch the bread. This was the bread that was, this is the bread that's known as the lehem hapanim that was used, that was done in the Mishkan. In order to produce the lehem hapanim, there were 11 steps that had to be taken. Number one, first, you have to plow the field, which is basically softening up the field in order to plant. That's melachal number two. Zoreya, that's planting. Number three is kotzer, which is harvesting after you plant. What happens? Things grow, then you have to harvest. After harvesting, it was all the pro all the wheat stalks were collected together, piled up together. And that is the melachan number four, which is me'amer. Number five, dash. After everything was collected together, then it had to be threshed. Number six, afterward, afterwards threshed, basically, you took away the peel of the kernel from or the straw from the from the actual uh, kernel. So then they would winnow it, throw it up in the air to allow the air to sift out the unwanted material. Then, borer, they would have to select, remove by hand all the stones and pebbles and things that get mixed up in the whole mixture. After that, they would take the grains, they would take all the wheat kernels and grind it to make it into flour. That's melachan number eight, which is tohen. Number nine, meraked, we all do this, and that is after we have the flour... We have to sift it. So anything that's not wanted will stay in the sifter. And the flour, which what we want, will go down. Then, melachat number 10. The water would be added to the flour to make a dough. That's known as melachat of lash. And finally, that dough was baked to produce the bread. Those are the 11 melachot in very, very short. Let's go again. Start from the beginning. The melachat of Horesh. And we will dedicate only a few minutes Per melacha, to give an idea of the melacha, and Bezat Hashem, as we go through the halachot in the Benish High on each melacha, we will give it the appropriate time in explanation, in, uh, and in all the different cases that could come up, and hopefully try to answer any of your questions. And uh, of course, the bottom line is practical application of the halacha. Let's start with the melacha number one, melacha of Horesh. Horesh. In simple definition, it means in translation that is plowing. The definition of the melacha of Horesh, and I was very careful to select the words in defining the melacha exactly as it is as it's listed. The definition either came from the Rambam, sometimes from the book Igletal, sometimes from Minuhatahaba, and sometimes from Rabbi Ribiat's translation. I had to rely on him for a lot of the English to make sure that it was worded properly. So the definition of Horesh is as follows. Plowing the field to prepare it for planting. What was done in the times of the Mishkan is that they go and soften up the field. So this way it's ready not to be planted. It's, it's, it's ripe, or what is it called? The field is now soft, the dirt is soft, and now you can throw a seed inside and it will be able to be inside. This is the Melacha. The Av Melacha, that is. The Toledam 
as every melacha has a tolada. What's a tolada? Which means it's also assuming deoraita, although it may be for a different purpose, and that is filling in holes in a dirt floor, even though um, it's not you're not doing it for planting, but since it's the same act, although it's a different purpose, it makes it a tolada, which means still assuming that Torah. Why would that be a problem? Because you're also enhancing the ground, although not the plant. But it becomes easier now to plant. So filling in holes in a dirt floor, like let's say your backyard, that is a tolda of Horesh. Give you two practical halachot that are brought down under the category. Number one is, many, many poskim, in fact the majority of poskim, not all, but the majority of the poskim hold, that if a person in his backyard has a garden, which obviously has dirt floor. So you're not allowed to sweep your garden with a broom on Shabbat. Why? Because what's happening is when you're sweeping everything, everything becomes leveled and that's making or uh, the ground better. Even though your intention is not for planting, it's already planted and you couldn't care less, it doesn't make a difference. It's still a surah according to the majority of poskim. And there's another practical halakha, again under this category. And when we discuss the halachot in detail, we'll explain how it's connected. Maran writes in Siman Shin Lamed Zayin, Saif Gimel, that what's known as sponja in Israel is forbidden on Shabbat, which is washing tiled floors. Again, tell me, what in the world does this have to do with Horesh? Well, it does, but it's a few connections together till we get to this Gezerah. It's forbidden for a person to wash tiles on Shabbat and to sweep it down. You know, in Israel, they have a drain in every floor and sometimes in a lot of rooms. And the way to wash, uh, the, the way that they clean their floors, not the way we have it with mopping, which is we take a mop and we just suck up and absorb the water. You just pour water all over the floor. And then they would, you know how they, you have like the, the thing that you use to clean your windows. You know, when you go to the gas station, you first soak the windows with water and soap. And then you remove the water. Okay, that's called the sponja. That's what they call a sponja in Hebrew. Although sponge really is the exact opposite, but in any case, in Israel, what that's what's called known as sponja, and the same idea will apply even if you're not in Israel. If you have tiled floors, if you to pour water to wash your floor on Shabbat, and then to remove it to clean it in such a way is forbidden according to Maran. That is enough for the melacha of Horesh. Let's go now to the second melacha. Second melacha in the thirty-nine melachot of Shabbat is zoreya. Simply translated as planting. The definition of zareya, however, is as follows. The definition of zareya is the initiation or promotion of plant growth in any way. Initiation means if you start, like, let's say, planting a seed. Or not only a seed, but if you take, let's say, a, a, a plant and you're planting a full plant already. That's Let's say you're planting a tree already. It's already grown somewhere and you picked it up with its dirt. And now you're putting it in your backyard. So that's initiating. Or promotion. Promotion means that you've helped something that's already there grow better. That's the Av Melacha of Zoraya. And where was it done in Mishkan? Simply. Remember, we want to produce bread. You cannot produce bread without wheat stalks. And the wheat stalks were planted first with a seed. You plant the wheat seeds and then they'll grow. So that's how it was done in Mishkan. A tolada of this melacha, one of the toldot, again, is watering one's field 
right? Because that promotes the growth of plants. We all know that when you pour, pour water, that's <laughs> that's part of the planting process. And pruning. Pruning means lezamer, which is cutting out bad branches in order to allow other branches to grow. So even though over there I'm not watering, I'm not planting anything, but my purpose in cutting off branches from this particular tree is because it's interfering with the growth of the other parts of the tree. So therefore, that will be a tolada of Zoreah, forbidden from the Torah. Let's give you some practical application of this halakha. Let's say you want to eat in your backyard on a Shabbat. If that's fine, you want to eat, that's no problem. Now, you need to do netlat yadayim. It doesn't make a difference if it's maim rishonim or maim ahronim. It doesn't make a difference if you want to wash your hands for hamotzi. Or if you're done eating, you just want to do my mahronim. You cannot wash your hands over the dirt floor. So if you're eating on grass and you're enjoying your outdoors, that's great. Just make sure you don't spill any water on the floor. Even though you don't care about the water, you couldn't care less, it doesn't make a difference. Since the water that's spilled on the dirt floor will enhance the growth of the grass or whatever is there, it becomes a sur on Yom, on Shabbat, also Yom Dov, of course. Also, here's another halakha that's under the same category of planting. Rama brings down the following case that if a person, and this is also halakha for Sfaradim, by the way, when I say Rama, I mean also in this, you know, I'll, I'll specify some post game, all post game, but this is seems to be across the board with the Ahronim. Roses, you get roses for Shabbat, a lot of people get flowers for Shabbat. You cannot place roses in water on Shabbat. I mean, they're already grown. In fact, they're already, they can't grow anymore. But since the roses, when you keep them in water, what happens is if everything is fine and everything is done properly, the roses start to open up and they start to expand. And right, and, and usually they, they come very, very small and then they start to blossom or it looks like they're growing. Even though in reality, nothing is really growing. They're not going to get any taller or anything else. But still, since they open up from the water, it's forbidden for a person to place flowers in water on Shabbat. The person has to be careful with that. However, when it comes to Hadassim Le Mashal, Hadassim, which is the myrtle branch, that's what a lot of people use that on Shabbat to make the bracha of Borea Atzebe Samim. Those you could return, you could put back in water. If they were in water before Shabbat, you could put them back in water even though you took them out. Why? Because nothing's going to open up. So therefore, if you had had that seam in the water before Shabbat, you could put it back, not flowers. If you had flowers and you took out a rose and you gave it to your wife, you said, happy anniversary, don't think I forgot. Okay, that's fine, but you cannot put it back in the water because then it's again, not a right but it's in the category and under the same category of Zoraya on Shabbat. Melachah number three of the 39 Melachot. Moving on to the Melachah of Kotzer. Kotzer, simply translated, it means to harvest. The definition of Kotzer is as follows. Uprooting or detaching any plant from its source of growth. Again, Kotzer is to uproot or detach any plant from its source of growth. In the Mishkan, after planting the wheat stalks, the, the, the wheat seeds that is, wheat stalks would grow out of the ground. And you need that in order to make bread. So they would harvest all the wheat stalks. That harvesting, which is pulling it out, doesn't make a difference if they did it with a sickle or pulled it out of the ground. That is all in the melacha 
the av melacha of kotzer harvesting. That's classical harvesting. Now, harvesting the av melacha can apply, by the way, not only to wheat socks. Obviously, if you harvest, if you pull out fruits from your tree, if you pick an apple from your tree, you say, "Oh, beautiful, it's ripe. Let me pull it out and uh, eat from it." That's also the melacha av melacha of kotzer. It doesn't have to be that you're harvesting a lot of stuff or food that's not edible, even food that's edible, an apple, an orange. To pick it off of the tree is an isud, right of, under the, which is the av melacha of kotzer. The tolada of kotzer, an interesting tolada of kotzer is, let's say you, you're picking the fruit, but you're not picking it. What you're doing is you're going to the tree that you have in your backyard. You have a lot of oranges on it. And you want to get some vitamin C in your system. So you go and you start shaking up the tree until oranges fall off the tree. Such a case is obviously forbidden, but it's also told that it's forbidden with the oraita. Because what you're doing is for the same purpose. You want the you want that the fruit to fall off. You're shaking the tree so fruits just fall off. In fact, using a tree on Shabbat is quite stringent. Hakamim. The rabbis were gozer. A lot of things made the banan connected to the tree because of the. We don't want you to use a tree. You might come to rip off a branch from it. Two simple examples. I will give you three. Number one is riding animals. We all know you can't ride animals, but what's the reason? Why can you not ride an animal on Shabbat? Hakamim gozer that we're worried that a person might break a branch of the tree in order to giddy up the animal. For example, a person is riding a horse. He wants the horse to start moving. He wants, him to, he wants to start riding the horse. And the horse is not moving. He says, come on, giddy up. And then it's not moving. So he will break the branch. He might come to break the branch and start whipping the horse. And the horse says, yes, sir, okay. I learned the hard way. I'm going to start walking. I, you got it, boss. So out of that, Gezerah Hakamim made it that's forbidden to ride horse or any animal on Shabbat. He might come to rip off a branch, which is a Melchav Kotzer. Another halakha that's applicable over here to the Gezerot under Kotzer, and that is the rabbis forbade anyone from using anything on the tree. Let's say you have a tree in your backyard, and you're sitting, like our friend before in the Melacha of Zorea, you're sitting in your backyard, you're enjoying the sun, but it's getting a little hot. So now you want to take off your hat, you want to take off your jacket, where are you going to hang it? So you see, beautiful, the branches are coming out in a way that serves beautiful like a hook. So you want to hang your jacket on the branch of the tree? Asur. Why? I'm, I'm, I'm not touching the tree. I know how to place my hat exactly perfectly right there. You know, how about this? I'll throw it like a frisbee. I'll throw my hat like a frisbee and it'll land exactly on the tree. Asur. You're not allowed to hang anything on the tree. Uses of the tree is forbidden. Why? Again, because it's under the same category. You might come to harvest eventually. Not harvest, but pulling out a branch from it that you might need. So the same thing. You cannot climb a tree on Shabbat. It's forbidden to climb on the tree on Shabbat because of the same melacha of Kotzer. These are three examples of practical examples of the melacha of or under the category of melacha of Kotzer. Moving on now to melacha number four. The melacha of Me'amir. The Melachav Me'amer, which is translated as gathering, is defined in the following words. Gathering scattered plantations that have been detached from the ground into a pile. Anytime I'm gathering things that have 
that were once attached to the ground, and I'm gathering, I'm piling it all up together, that is forbidden, that's the av melachav me'amir. But in order to be me'amir mid-de'oraita, as an av melachav, there are two conditions. You need these two conditions. Number one is, they have to be all the same type. For example, in the case of the mishkan, what do they do? After they harvested the wheat stalks, they will pile up all of the wheat stalks together and make a pile. So it has to be all wheat stalks. But if we take from wheat and from some apples and some oranges and gathering all these different types of fruits and vegetables and, and plantations together, since they're all different types, that would not be ma'amim. Again, for, as an av melaka. Number two, in order that it should be a problem of ma'amir, in order that it should be the av melaka of ma'amir, it has to be also piled together in the place where they grew. Which means, let's say in your house, you open up your fridge and your kids, you know, kids don't look, they just, when they have to close the fridge, they just shove everything in and <laughs> force it closed. So now you open up the fridge and the shelf falls down and all the fruits fall on the floor. It's all oranges. You have all oranges scattered all over the floor. For you to pile it up in your kitchen is not a problem of ma'amir because it's in the house. That's not where the oranges grow. That's where the oranges get eaten up, not where they grew. So therefore, gathering up all the same plantations in the place where they did not grow is not a problem, Ma'amir. You need, again, the two conditions in order to be forbidden as an av belachav Ma'amir is, it all must be the same type. I'm collecting all the oranges and it has to be from the place where they grew that have fallen from the orange tree on Shabbat. So a guy comes on Shabbat, he sees he's got... You know, 20, there was a storm, 20 apples fall from his tree. He decides, you know, let me just put it all together that this shouldn't scatter all over the place and, you know, kids will step on it and he piles it all up together. No, no, I'm not taking it, I'm just keeping it there. Besides the problem, I'll leave that on the side for a second. But that's, that would be an isu, the writer of Me'amir. The tolada of the Melacha of Me'amir would be, as the Shohan Aruch brings down, pressing figs into a mold together. Since when, since this is a normal way of doing it, in fact, they still sell it till now. You go to some Mideastern uh, or, or stores that sell Mideastern food, you see what they call what's known as a fig cake. So a fig cake is not really a cake made out of figs. What is it? They take figs, they dry it up, not the fresh figs, the dried up figs, and they press them into a mold together. Since this is the derech, this is the normal way of putting it together, so that will be a toladav me'amir when a person makes that quote-unquote fig cake on Shabbat. A practical application of this halakha is that, that we gave before. If you see in your backyard fruits that fell off of your tree, even if they fell from before Shabbat, one cannot gather them together in a pile, even if you want to gather them together into a basket, all the same fruits, all your apples, you want to put them in the same basket, it will also be forbidden on Shabbat. Move on now to the fifth melacha of the 39 melachot, the melacha of dash. The melacha of dash is translated as threshing. Now, threshing... Um, Let's define it first and then we'll tell you how it was done. Threshing is the act of extracting earth-grown objects from their natural shells through beating. As the word dash implies, the word dash 
is really, you know, I know in modern Hebrew dash is, um, you know, dirishat shalom, tebot of dirishat shalom. That's not what we mean over here. Dash is la douche, which is basically to, it's, it's very, con, you can connect it also to the English thrush, but to beat. What would happen is that in the Mishkan, they would do is, they would take the wheat kernels now, and then they would beat them down, either with sticks, or what they would do is they would take sometimes animals, connect them to a heavy board, and they would make the animal go over and step over the wheat kernels. So this way, from the weight of the animals, the stalks and some of the shells on the wheat kernels would, would, would break apart, and still mixed, but this way, what they're doing is you're removing the wheat kernel from its shell. In order to be dash as an Av Minachamidoraita, you need three conditions. Number one is that the outside and the inside, like we said, dash is removing the inside from its outer shell. So the outside and the inside, in order to be dash, condition number one, the outside and the inside have to be of two different types. For example, in the what they did in the Mishkan is that they removed the kernel from its shell. So the shell is not edible. And the kernel is the food that they want. So these are two different types. But of the same type, it's not called dash. If you take something which is the same type from what's inside of it, you know, in some um, Syrian houses, they make something like called a, a kibibol. A kibibol is a meatball that's inside of another meatball. They're both the same thing. That's not called dash. It's exactly the same item. Number two in order, condition number two in order to be dash mid oraita, it also has to be earth grown. Something that's not earth grown. So we go back to the skibbe, which is ground meat. That's not, a, you're not, not going to have an issue of dash. Hey, all the issues, but the melacha of dash is only applicable with something that grows from the earth. Number three, in order for something to be considered dash as an av it cannot be done as a derech achilah. This is not the way that people usually eat. For example, you have walnuts and you have a hard shell on the outside and the nut is on the inside. So how are you going to eat it? If you don't, the outside is inedible and the inside is edible. The walnuts are also earth grown. So you tell me it's a sort of dash. Now I can't eat it. No, because... Usually walnuts, that's a derech achila. That's how you eat it. You crack it and then you eat it. The same thing would be with those peanuts that they sell with the shells. Right? You know, the ones that they show you with the elephants eating? Yeah. So those, those peanuts in the shells, also the same thing. When you crack the shell in order to get the peanut from inside, even though it's earth grown and even though the outside is inedible and the inside is edible, it's not a problem of dash because... What you're doing is you're eating it right away. You're opening in order that you should be able to eat it right away. This is removing the shell in such a fashion is known as derech achila. That's the way to eat it. And it will not be considered dash. So in order to be dash, has to be, you're not coming to eat it immediately or in the near, near future. But it's coming to be eaten eventually. Like in the case of the Mishkan, when they would take out the kernel from the shell, through beating it, the shell is removed to get the kernel to be eventually used in in the process of grinding and to eventually bake it into lahm panim. It's not It's not being eaten right away. A tolada of this melacha is a famous 
Isul of Sahita. And there's a we're gonna have a whole class on, on what Sahita Sahita means squeezing. To squeeze out juices from a fruit that's normally pressed for its drink is an Isur Doraita, it's a tolada of dash. For example, a person who wants to make fresh grape juice on Shabbat is forbidden midoraita. It's a tolada of the av melacha of dash because sechita is the same idea. You're taking the juice out of the grape. You're taking the liquid that's contained into the solid, from the solid of the grape and you make it into a drink. That is what sechita is. It's not the av melacha, but it's a tolada. Nevertheless, it's forbidden midoraita when it's done on grapes and olives. It could be other examples. We'll talk about it when we get to that. Let's give you two practical halakhot from the melacha of Dash. Number one, you cannot make orange juice on Shabbat. That's pretty simple, right? You can't take oranges and squeeze them into a cup. Okay, that's pretty simple. Number two is that a person may not squeeze out the water from his towel or clothing on Shabbat. This has other problems, as we'll talk about also later on, but... This is a practical halakha over here. You know, one may not squeeze out water or liquid from a cloth that he has, especially if he wants the liquid. That would be a problem of... Uh, it's under the category of dash. It could be even a problem of melabin. Let's move on now to category number... I mean, not category, but melakha number six. What was done after the melakha of dash in the Mishkan? The next melakha was zore. Zore is translated as winnowing. So before I get to this melakha, I'll give you a little bit of introduction for what's coming up. We're going to have now zore, then borer, and then we're going to have the melakha of tohen, and then we're going to have mirakid. There are three melakhot over here. Three out of these four melakhot coming up are very, very identical. And the difference between them is very, very fine. In fact, when you look on these halachot, which are very practical, the next three melachot, they're all found in the same siman in Shohan Aruch. Siman Shin Yutet brings the halachot that deal with all these three melachot. What are they? Zoreh, number two is Borer, which is, oh, okay, we're going to translate in a second, and Merakid. In these three steps, zore is winnowing in English, which is the process where they took, what they did in the Mishkan is they took the wheat kernels together with all the, with the shaf, together with the, uh, the shells on the outside and whatever was all with, mixed with it, the unwanted material, they threw it up in the air and then the heavier kernels through the force of gravity fell down while the lighter material with the help of the wind, was blown away, was blown to the side. Thus, they separated between what's wanted, which is the wheat kernel, and what's not wanted, which is the shells of the kernel, and the stalks, or whatever it is. Now, the melakha of borel is also a form of selecting, or sifting, and separating. The melakha of borel was, after that process, you'd have with the wheat kernels a whole mix of stones and pebbles, that, you know, it's all on the floor and some dirt. So by hand, they would select, they would remove all the pebbles and the stones from it. Again, you're separating from the wanted, unwanted material. Eventually, when these wood kernels were ground, 
Then they went through again another separation process, which is sifting, right? Like a regular sifter, they take a sifter, they put the flour through it, and then the unwanted material was left on the top. So these three minachot are very, very identical. And there's so much discussion amongst the uh, Rishonim, and the, and the Mefarshim, and the commentaries. Why are they categorized as three separate minachot? Technically, it's all the same. You're separating between what you want and what you don't want. Give me one melacha and I'll understand. And then many different answers are given. It's the same melacha. All different answers are given. In any case, practically, it may not be a difference to us as long as you know what's asur, what's not asur. The discussion of why there's separate melachot, like we said in the past, this is only a nafkamina. It's only a difference when we have a beta mikdash and we have, we have a hayub, an obligation of bringing a korban. Okay, so let's define the melacha of Zoreh, which is the melacha that we have at hand. Melacha number six, Zoreh, winnowing. Winnowing, again, it's a form of separation, but what's unique, what makes Zoreh the unique melacha is that it was separating the unwanted particles through wind. Anytime I'm using wind to, in order to separate the unwanted material, that is the melacha of Zoreh. A tolda of Zoreh, according to some opinions, not everybody agrees on this, but just to give you an understanding, an idea of Zoreh, a tolda of Zoreh would be in the following case. Let's say you have peanuts, you know those Spanish peanuts with the very, very soft shell on top of it. So a guy has peanuts in his hands and he just put it, he took a whole pile, he dunked his hand inside of a bowl of peanuts. He took it out. There's some shells. There's some loose shells. You know, he rubbed his hands a little bit together. So now there's some shells uh, that are not wanted. And there's a peanuts that he wants. So for him to sit there and eat the peanuts and he's going to have the shells all over him. So he's standing outside. He says, you know what? I got a great idea. He makes a little bit of a fist. He makes a, uh, his two hands into a fit, into to like a, a little bit of a box. And he starts blowing very strongly on his hands, making just a little bit of a hole in his hands so the, his he could blow and he could blow out from the other end. Just a little bit of a hole that the peanuts will not escape, but the shells are able to escape. And he huffs and he puffs and he blows all the shells away. That is, according to some opinions, a tolada of zore. Why? This person is separating between the peanuts, which is the wanted material, and the shells, which is the unwanted material, he's blowing away the shells from the peanuts that he has in his hands. According to some, that is a sur midde oraita. A practical application of this halakha. According to the Rama, it's this is debatable again. This is a mahlokit, not everybody agrees on this. There's a lot of poskim that are matidis, but according to the Rama, one may not spit in the wind. It brings one of the Rishonim that spitting in the wind is a problem because it's separated. Now, there's a lot of discussion on this halakha. People disagree. It's not the same when we get to the subject of borer. We'll talk more about it. But it's the same idea. Because when he's spitting, the wind is blowing and separating part of the saliva that came out of your mouth. But, but according to a lot of other post scheme, and this... Uh, uh, whether you hold Zeraita or the Rabbanan, but it's Asur for one to, let's say you have a bowl of cherries, and in the bowl of cherries, you have, you know, the stems that usually come with the cherries. So a lot of them are already ripped off. 
So now you want to serve it to your guests. So you see you have them all over there. So again, you do the same thing. You take your huff and your puff and you blow away all the stems. That would be also a problem under the category of zore. Whether it's deoraita or not, it's not for our discussion. It's a We're giving you a practical halakha. We may not blow away the stems of the cherries in the bowl because you're using wind to separate from what you don't want, which is the stems of the cherries, to what you want, which are the cherries. By the way, it's not such a great idea to blow cherries and then serve them to your guest. You know, when you blow a lot of spit comes out of it. But anyway, that's for Halakhot of Derech Eretz. We're here talking about Halakhot of Shabbat. Let's go to the next Melacha, the Melacha of Borer. Melacha number seven, the Melacha of Borer. This Melacha, in application, or in, in Halakha, it is a very difficult and detailed Melacha. And it's one of the more practical Melachot that we come across on Shabbat. That means, unlike Zorea, you know, it's, if, you're not, if, you, if you don't have a garden in your backyard, then you pretty much could avoid the problem of Zorea. You're not, you're not worried about it. Plowing also, harvesting. Again, you're not going to come across with it so much. But Borer is a very, very practical, and yet at the same time very difficult. The halachot of Borer and defining them are very, very difficult. Again, we're talking simple. Just giving you a heads up. Melachav Borer is defined as separating the unwanted material from the mixture through one's hand. Unlike, unlike the Melacha of Zoreh, Zoreh is using wind to separate the unwanted material. The Melacha of Borer, according to some Rishonim, is when I use my hand to remove the unwanted material from the mixture. Now, in order, so what does that mean? I, I, okay, so if I can't eat on Shabbat because I'm always going to have some things I want, some things I don't want. So in order to avoid the problem of Boreh, we'll just tell you very quickly, the three conditions are given when in order for a person to be, to avoid, that is, the problem of Boreh. And I know usually this is not part of the rules of the of this class. As we're giving only things that are, def, we're only defining Melachot, but because such a important melacha and it's very practical maybe some people don't know about it so we are going to just tell you three conditions in order to permit separating on Shabbat when you want to separate with things that you want and you don't want so the, first of all it, it's got to be a mixture a mixture means of two different ingredients one that you want and one that you don't want so let's go back to the mashal where I have let's say inside of a um, I have a bowl of nuts and there's shells you know let's say I have pistachios a lot of times the pistachios the shells have already come out, come off of it, and they're all mixed all together. There's pistachios with the shells, there's pistachios by themselves, and then there's just the shells of the pistachios, not sold in, not wanted at all. Nobody wants it. So if I want to be able to separate between the pistachios and the shells on Shabbat, I, I need three conditions. Number one is I must remove what I want from what I don't want. The wanted material, we're going to call it good, and the unwanted material, we're going to call it bad. So I must separate the good from the bad. I want the pistachio nut, so I must take the pistachio nut. Even though it's much easier to just get rid of the few shells that are over there and just throw them out, that's Amutam Shabbat. If in order to be permitted, I must separate what's good, what I want, the wanted things, which is the pistachio, from the mixture. Number two, also it has to be done for immediate use. After use it with after use it or present it in the meal 
which is going to be taking place within a half an hour. That's the Haskama of majority of poskim. Within a half an hour of when I'm about to start the meal of, or when I'm going to partake from this uh, separation, it must be done. That means if I'm separating the pistachio nuts, but I'm not planning to eat it right now. I'm separating in the morning. I'm planning to use it for Saudash al in the afternoon. Even though I'm only separate, selecting what's good, it's asur because I'm doing it for a later time. And by the way, this isur is isur deoraita. Number three is to in order that separation should be permitted on Shabbat, it cannot be done through any special separating utensil. If there's a special, they come up with this new um, gadget now that will separate for you the pistachio nuts with the shells that, as opposed and get rid of the not wanted shells by themselves, you cannot use a special utensil. As the post scheme down, it has to be bayad. You could have to use it with your hand. And condition number two has to be miyad. It has to be for immediate use, which is anytime within a half an hour. And also you must select what you want and not to select what you don't want. Good? Those are three conditions. The way it was done in Mishkan, we already explained. They would remove, what makes it forbidden, what makes Borer forbidden, is that they would remove the rocks and the pebbles by hand, which were mixed together with the wheat kernels. You want a practical application of this halakha? We'll tell you a practical application. One cannot peel fruits on Shabbat morning in order to eat them in the afternoon. Even though you're allowed to peel fruits, it's an act of separating, and technically it's borer, but you're allowed to because it's derechachila. You plan to eat it right away. But if you're separating the fruits, and you're not going to come to eat it till the afternoon, we're talking about inedible shells. So let's say you're taking the pistachio nuts, you're removing the pistachio shells, and and you want to eat these pistachios in the afternoon. That is forbidden. In fact, it's forbidden in the oraita. Okay, now Rabbi Ribiat in his book brings that in modern times the machines that were used for harvesting which are known as combines because they combine many different uh, functions actually perform many of the above melachot that we gave. So far we've spoken about eight melachot. The combines that they use in harvesting the, the and collecting all the wheat stalks in modern times Actually, in one machine, there's many melachot. Besides, the surah of Habara, because it's run through gasoline, and gasoline turns into fire. That's how the cars work, and that's how the machinery works. We're talking about the actual harvesting melacha. What happens is that they have these special teeth, which they harvest with it. That's the first thing that these combines do, the melacha of kotzer. Next, after it's harvested, it's sucked, and it's collected on a certain platform together. And that's the melachav me'amer because you're collecting, like we said, me'amer is when you gather up the same kind in the place of its growth. And here they're taking the wheat stalks, which are collected from the fields, and pile them all up together on a certain shelf in the machine. And in the machine itself, they have this like blower. These, excuse me, no, before that, before that, it goes to the next stage, which is the threshing cylinder. And over there, these are special teeth that separate from the grain, the grain from the straw. And that's dash, because it's separating from the grain. It's taking it out. It's breaking it apart. And then they have this blower over there, very identical 
too, you know, when you have in the fall, you have these people that come around, the gardeners come around with this blower and they blow away all the leaves. So they have something very identical in these combines in this machine, which blows away the shaft. That's Melacha of Zore, using wind, although it's wind that's made by, you know, by machinery, but doesn't make it, you're still using wind to separate between what you want to what you don't want. So these combines, these machines, if a person would operate on Shabbat, he is performing at least five melachot mid-de-oraita, and they're all avot melachot. Let's move on to melacha number eight, the melacha of tohen, grinding. Grinding is very very simple to define. Turning one, un one unit into many particles. You take one item, as Rambam says, and you grind it up, you turn into many particles. That's the definition of grinding. The wheat kernels in the Mishkan, after they would pick up the wheat kernels, after they separated what they... Now you just have the wheat kernels. You need to turn into flour. So they put it into a special uh, mill, and the mill would grind it, whether it was run by water or whatever, it does make a difference. They would grind it and turn it into flour. A tolada of this melacha is if a person, let's say, wants sawdust on Shabbat. So he takes... Wood and he starts shaving it. You know, you use either a saw or whatever you use in order to get sawdust. That's a tolda of the melacha of tohen. Tohen was done to grind flour, to grind wheat and turn into flour. You took one unit, to, made it into many small particles. Hey, you're taking the wood and you're turning it into very, very small particles. That's a sawdust. Even though it's not food, it doesn't make a difference. It'll be a sur midoraita as a tolada of tohen. A practical halacha. A practical application of this halakha is that a person cannot take a cheese block on Shabbat and start grating it with a grater. You know, the grater is made for taking cheese and and or anything else and making it into small particles. That will be the same, will be true also, by the way. You can take a carrot and use a grater to grate carrots. So this way you can use them in the salad. And according to many poskim, not all poskim, this is a very hard uh, definition of how to define what's small, but basically, many poskim do agree on this, is that if you use, uh, if you, excuse me, if you're making salad, you cannot cut the vegetables very, very small. What they, what's known in the market as an Israeli salad, where the cucumbers are very tiny and the tomatoes are very tiny, so you cannot dice them, you cannot slice them so fine, so small, because it'll be, according to many, a problem of tohen. Again, the actual halachot and details and the full and all the opinions will be discussed by Zat Hashem when we get to the melacha of tohen. Let's move on now to melacha number nine. The melacha number nine is the melacha of mirakid. So, the definition of this melacha we have two definitions in the Rishonim. We have the opinion of Rabbeinu Hananel, which is what makes the melacha of mirakid mirakid different from the other melachot of Zoreh or Borer. So according to Rabbi is because I'm using a special utensil to separate the unwanted material. What am I doing? Putting the flour through a sifter and I'm using the sifter to remove the unwanted material, whether it's small bugs or it's, uh, or it's some dirt that's stuck inside of it. Since I'm using the sifter, that according to Rabbi that's what defines Merakid. It's using a special utensil to separate the unwanted material. However, according to Rashi, defines Merakid. Again, both of them will be Asur, keep in mind. We just hear the Mahlog is only in definition. Both will agree it's Asur and it's Asur Midoraita. 
According to Rashi, what makes the Melacha of Merakeid unique and different from Zoreh and Borer is that in Zoreh, the wind was separating. In Borer, I'm selecting the band, I'm throwing it out. According to Rashi, being that when I'm Merakeid, what, what I'm doing is, the reason why it's called Merakeid, I'm sure it sounds like very familiar to those who know Hebrew, it sounds like dancing, right? What do you do when you sift? You put all the flour into this sifter, into this like uh, bowl with many, many small tiny holes on bottom. And then you dance, you let it dance. Basically, you shake it back and forth. What happens? The unwanted material, the bugs and the, the dirt, whatever it may be, remains on top and the wanted material goes on the bottom. So being, anytime I sort and I separate between two items where the unwanted material remains on top while the wanted material goes out, that, according to Rashi, is the definition of Merakid. This is the Av Melacha of Merakid. A practical application of this Melacha of Merakid is filters on Shabbat. Filters on Shabbat, but I have to be careful in how I say it because you have to know which filter and when. Let's take a case where everybody will agree on. There's not a mahalokit, don't Everybody will agree on this following. Let's say you have a liquid that's mixed with contents where the majority of the world will not drink such a liquid. Let's now say that the majority of the world is including goyim. So this way we cover all opinions. Majority of people in the world will not drink such a thing. Let's say, you know, sometimes the firemen come and they do some work outside the house and the water turns into brown. Yeah, it's not, uh, they didn't color it, but what happens is there's a lot of dirt mixed with that water. Most, the majority of people, when they see such a water, if they notice such a water, will not drink the water in such a state. If they have to drink it, what will they do? Put it through a sifter, put it through a filter, Brita, whatever they may use, in order to filter out the water. Since the majority of people will not drink such a thing, it's a, a sur to separate it on Shabbat. Now, what about using our filters to separate bugs? That's a whole discussion. Again, when we get to the Melchav Borer, this will be a major subject to talk about. Let's move on now to the Melacha of Lash. Melacha number 10, the 10th Melacha, and really the 10th Melacha in preparation of the bread for the Lahma Panim. It's Melacha of Lash. What is the definition of Lash? First, the translation of Lash is kneading with a K. K N E A D I N G. Kneading. To make a dough. The definition of it is it's exact opposite of tohin. Tohin, we said, was taking one unit and making it to many, many different particles. Here, what I'm doing is I'm taking many particles and I'm joining them all together through liquid. In the Mishkan, after they had the flour, they would make the dough. They would take the water, combine it together they put it with the flour and then by itself they would mix it together and they'll have the dough when i use water to combine many particles into a solid or even a semi-solid unit that is the definition of lash a tolda of this melacha would be mixing dirt or cement bag you know you buy the cement bags or even plaster and you put water with it and you mix it all together, it makes a unit. It makes it all together, it makes it all stick together, becomes like a paste. That is forbidden with the oraita, that is the tolada of lash, 
Even though I'm not eating it, it's not a dough that I'm going to eat. It doesn't make a difference. It's the same act, even though for a different purpose, that's what makes it into a melacha. I'm excuse me, that's what makes it into a tolada of the melacha of lash. Mixing dirt or plaster, forming it into a paste, and making it into one unit, that's asur. Now, the practical halachot of melacha of lash are very complicated, believe it or not. It's actually one of the least discussed melachot, or least discussed practical melachot in Ilkhot Shabbat. It's only a few lines in the Gemara. Yet the exact definition and application of this halakha is a big discussion amongst many, many poskim with all the different conditions. So we'll tell you a halakha according to many poskim, not all poskim, many poskim. Many poskim will forbid making tuna fish with mayonnaise on Shabbat in a normal way. Not everybody, but many. That means, you know, you take tuna fish out of a can, you mix it together with the tuna, with the, with the mayonnaise, and that becomes one big goo. That is, according to many, you want to say some post-game, okay, there are metirim again, but there are many who forbid it if you're doing it in a normal way. But this, the following, everybody agrees, that's asur. Let's say you take potato, uh, potato powder, you want to make mashed potatoes. So they sell the powder for the mashed potatoes. You take that, you mix it together with water, and now you took many particles and you made it into one unit. You made it into a paste, which is the potato, which is the mashed potatoes. That everybody regrets. Asur, for the same reason also, even though it's eventually going to happen. Jello. If you take the jello packet, which is only some what looks like sugar, and you, you mix it with water. Eventually, you put it in the fridge, eventually it turn into one big solid unit, and which is jello. That's also forbidden, even though it doesn't happen right away, but this is a derech, and therefore it's not, a, it's not called grama, this is the derech, and therefore it will be forbidden to make jello or mashed potatoes on Shabbat. Let's get to the final melacha, the melacha which we will come across more than any other melacha. And this is melacha, we're going to spend a lot of time because there's so many different uh, things under this category of melacha, and that is the melacha of ofe or bishul. Ofe or bishul is the causing of a change in the properties of food or a substance through heat. In the words of the Rambam, Rambam says, Klalo shel dabar, ben sheripa gufka sheba esh, o shiksha gufrach, hareze hayab bashel. Whether a person loosened a hard material through fire or he hardened a soft material through fire that is the problem of Mebashel and of course Mebashel and Ofe many poskim hold it's the same there is a discussion amongst the Rishonim cooking or baking it's the same idea cooking what are you doing in cooking you take something hard and you're softening it, softening it up baking you take something soft like dough and you're making it hard those are both the menachot of Mebasher or ofe. And it was done in the Mishkan to bake the lehem panim or to cook the, the dyes, the, the, the things that they used to color in the Mishkan. That is the melacha of ofe or bishul. A tolada of this melacha, in the olden days, in fact till today, they would dry logs of wood by placing them in the oven. They would take logs of wood, put them in the oven, and this way it makes it dry. It makes this, this is a tolada. Even, you're not cooking. Yeah, that's called cooking. That's a form of cooking. 
even though you're not actually eating the wood, but it could be even things that are not edible or also asur in the writer of Bishul. Another example of this, another toldah of this melacha is melting wax. Melting wax also. Cooking it, basically. In order to melt wax, you have to cook it. You have to heat it up to a certain point. You're taking a goof cachet and making it to something soft. That is also a toldah of the melacha of Bishul. Now, there's so many practical applications. We'll just give you one simple thing. One may not warm up soup on Shabbat, even though the soup was already cooked. That's Asur. If you're going to warm up soup, you're going to bring it back to a temperature that's very, very hot. That's Asur on Shabbat, even though it was already cooked before. That's a whole shame, as I say. We'll talk about it when we get to it, uh, as that's a shame, in its time. Okay. These are the, 11, the first 11 melachot of the 39 melachot. But Zat Hashem, next week we'll continue. If anybody has any questions on what we said or even what we didn't say or any comments, you can call in 718-683-5858. We'll be here for the next couple of minutes. And you could text us in at 347-927-8398 or you can always email us at halachahour at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Rav Nisi, for hosting us. And thank you, Jay Root, for hosting us. We will see you, Mazat Hashem, here again next week live on the Halakha Hour, Wednesday afternoon at 2 o'clock. Until then, have a wonderful week and a Shabbat Shalom.